Welcome to the Centro Church Podcast. To find out more about Centro Church, please visit us at centrochurch.com.au or download our smartphone app today. Whenever I come into a building like this and I look around that this is not a traditional church building, that means a lot of people have done a lot of work for many hours over days to make all of this and all of that happen. So if you are here this morning and you have volunteered and you have set up chairs, you have put up the sound system, the smoke machine, you know, the Shekinah glory of God, (laughs) what God has not wrought, I have bought. If you have been part of the volunteer team in setting this up today, now I know some of you started yesterday and you worked last night and this morning. If you're part of the volunteer team, will you just stand up right where you're at? Just stand up right where you're at. If you're part of the volunteer team, come on, come on, come on. You know you are. Come on, somebody. Come on. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so very much for making all of this happen because... I feel like I'm a blister. You know what a blister is? A blister is something that shows up after the work is done. And then these same people are probably going to tear it down while you and I are enjoying a good lunch somewhere. That's that's part of the plan, right? After this lunch, okay. Just need to confirm the important things. They'll be still working, packing it up, putting it up in the right place. And we never want to take our gifts that God has given to us, people, for granted. Centro is a great church. How many of you know Centro is a great church? And you have great pastors in this house. Pastor John and Pastor Francine Hunt, great leaders, great pastors, great preachers. We love you. Thank God for you and for who you are. And uh, may God continue to use you in, in marvelous ways. And I'm just delighted to have my wife, Brenda, here with me. Brenda, if you'll stand for a minute. Uh, yeah, she warned me, don't make me stand. But here we are, here we are. So, so Brenda came to Bible College in Atlanta from Michigan in 1973. And I went to the same Bible College in 1973 from India. Now, I know some of you looking at me saying, I've seen him somewhere, seen him somewhere. Probably my 7-Eleven. Maybe my taxi, uh, <laughs> but I've seen you somewhere too. <laughs> and so I came from India, uh, same Bible college, and she had a job in the dean's office to be his secretary. And I was the breakfast cook, dishwasher, and janitor uh, at the college. One day I went uh, picking up everyone's you know, garbage, their trash, and I saw her and went, mm-hmm. I became a very regular trash picker-upper. And so after three and a half years of doing that, she saw some gifts in my life. She said, you know, he can cook. He can wash dishes. He can carry out the garbage. She offered me a full-time employment opportunity. And April will be 38 years of being her employee. Yeah, so thank God for, thank God for, uh, for Brenda and... Uh, 
so glad that she is with me because this is, I'm, I'm out for about three weeks. I uh, was in New Zealand uh, two days ago here and then with uh, different places in Australia and then get back to New Zealand again to do some work. But I'm so glad that she's with me. If you have Bibles, let's go to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And we'll get to that in just a moment. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Something going with this microphone. Somebody wants to hand me another one. That'll be fine too. Uh, yeah, you just happen to have plan B here. Okay. Is this on now? It's on now. There you go. See how healing happens? <laughs> Divine healing just took place just like that. You have not because you ask not. I want you to imagine you're going home from work in the afternoon and you need some groceries. You need uh, some food items. Maybe you need six, five, six items and you run into Coles or Woolworths. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You just jump in there really quick and, and you get your trolley. You get your trolley and you put in your five, six items in there. You're in a hurry. So you go to the lane which says express lane. Ten items or less. You get into that lane. You are, I want you to imagine you're number two in line. There's somebody else with their trolley in front of you. And you're number two in line behind them. And as you're behind them, what are you doing right now? Counting what? Items in whose trolley? You all are very sick. So, so it's supposed to be ten. So you, you count and you come up with twelve. But you've been wrong before, so do you a recount. <laughs> and you come up at 12 again. Now you got to say something in Jesus' name. And you wanna, the words that you want to use are not good Christian words. Just because you're saved does not mean you don't have those words. Those words are still there. So can I show you how Christians uh, use abusive language and curse? Everything you wanted to say has been said. Because as you're standing behind this person, even though you're number two in line, how many of you know that waiting is difficult? Ah, okay, stay back with me. You're in Coles, Woolworth, whatever. And this time your trolley is full of stuff. Your trolley is full of stuff. And, and you got to pick a lane. You know, eventually you got to... And, and there's so much mathematics goes on in picking up a lane. In, I mean, calculus, trigonometry, geometry, arithmetic, algebra... Everything takes place because uh, now we start scanning. The first thing we do is we look at the checkout clerk. And I said, no. <laughs> and then you start scanning who is in line and what kind of people are in line and how much stuff they got in the trolley. Is that not true? And, and, and so do you all do the same thing I do? So you get your trolley full of stuff. But you have to pick a lane eventually, right? So there are four or five lanes open. Somebody gets into that lane over there. Same time as you. Do you all do the same thing? I want to see hands on that one. I want to see hands on that one. Yeah. Now, if they make it out before you, it's a bad day. But if you make it out before them, there's a guy. You fill out that green slip of paper, have a testimony. Celebrate with me. <laughs> because waiting is difficult. This morning I want to just talk to you on the subject of what to do while waiting on your miracle. 
what to do while waiting on your miracle. Before I go any further, I just want to see, are, is there anybody in here who needs a miracle from the Lord? Can I see your hands? Go ahead and put it up by faith right now. Because how many of you know there's a miracle in the house? There's a miracle in the house. You just didn't come to church. You came to the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In Mark chapter 5, there's a story. Story about a man by the name of Jairus. Jairus is a father. He's got a 12-year-old daughter who's very, very sick, and she's about to die. He, Jesus is on the boat. He comes off the boat, and Jesus meets, uh, Jairus, the dad, meets him like at the, right at the lakeside and says to him, Hey, Jesus, my daughter is at home. She's 12 years of age. She's about to die. Will you come to my house and heal her? Jesus says, no problem. I'm coming to your house. So they start walking. As they start walking, news gets out that Jesus is in town. And a mob starts forming. A crowd starts forming. And Jesus is slowed down. How many of you know Jairus is getting anxious now? Now, do you call him Jairus or Jairus? Jairus. Got to know which country I'm in. Good man is dead, but we're calling him different names. He doesn't care. So Jairus, I got it right this time. What do I know? <laughs> so as Jesus is going, the mob gets bigger. And there's this woman who's been hemorrhaging for 12 years. She comes and you know the story, touches his skinny jeans. And <laughs> that's in the Bible to you all to read your Bible. Obviously, you don't do that. So, uh, and she's healed. She starts talking to Jesus. Now, what is Daddy Jairus feeling now? Hey, woman, you got healed. Praise the Lord. Fill out the green slip. Turn it in. My daughter is dying. I was forced in line. You bumped my line. Go home. Put her on Facebook. Be happy. Be happy. Go on. Twitter about it, Instagram, take a selfie with Jesus, but go home. <laughs> While Jesus is having this conversation with her, there are messengers that come from Jairus' house, whisper in his ear, you, you know, Jesus standing here, Jairus is breathing on his neck, you got to imagine that. They whisper in his ear, don't bother Jesus anymore. Your daughter just died. What's Jairus feeling now? Hmm. Glad you got healed. Thanks to your healing, my daughter just died. In fact, Mark chapter 5 verse 34 tells us what kind of woman she was. It says she told him everything. You know people like that? <laughs> you ask them, how you doing? Three hours later, they're still telling you everything. The daughter is dead. Jesus is standing there. Jairus is grieving and disappointing. So what do you do while you are waiting on your miracle? But it is not just a story of Jesus eventually going to Jairus' house and raising the daughter. It's really a story of two dying women. This woman has been sick for how many years? Twelve years. How old is the girl? 12 years. So this girl has been alive as long as this woman has been sick. This girl's 
is an insider, this woman is an outsider according to the law of Moses. Because this woman is hemorrhaging, she had to be a woman who was considered unclean. That means she could not go to the temple, she could not go to the synagogue, she did not, she did not have a priest, she did not have sacrifices, she didn't have any access to the temple. So the girl lives inside the temple because her daddy is the COO, the chief administrative officer of the temple, the Bible tells us. He's the administrator. So she's inside the temple. This girl, this woman is outside the temple. This girl is coddled and held and loved. But this woman, because she is unclean, anybody who touches her becomes unclean. So for 12 long years, nobody has touched her on purpose. She's somebody, somebody. She's somebody's sister, somebody's daughter, somebody's cousin, somebody's niece, somebody's wife, somebody's mother, somebody's sister-in-law. She's somebody, somebody. But for 12 years, nobody has touched her on purpose. In fact, earlier part of the text tells us that she spent all her money on doctors and did not get well. So when she came to Jesus, she did not just come because she was sick physically. She was broken in every aspect of her life. She was emotionally estranged. She was spiritually bereft. She, she was financially broke. She was physically anemic. She had no hope for 12 long years. She comes to Jesus. Jesus heals her. But the rest of the story is, he is still on his way to Jairus' house. In this episode... I'm going to give you six principles of what to do while waiting on your miracle. Six principles of what to do while waiting on your miracle. Principle number one is found in verse 36. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Don't be afraid. Everyone said it together. Don't be, one more time. The first thing that Jesus says to him is, don't be afraid. Now, look at me for a second. I want you to get this picture in your mind. Jesus is standing. Woman is kneeling. She is telling him everything. She is happy for the first time in her life. For the first time in 12 years, she is healed. Jairus is standing right here, breathing on his neck. Messengers come and tell Jairus, your daughter just died. Jesus turns around and looks on Jairus' face and sees what? Fear. Now notice what Jesus does not do. He does not say to him, hey Jairus, be cool. It's me, JC. This is what I do. I heal the sick. I raise the dead. I walk on water. I feed people fish and chips. That's what I do. Be cool, man. I got this. I'm Jesus. Jesus doesn't do any of those things. Jesus looks on his face and sees fear. And the first thing he wants to let us know this morning is, don't be afraid. Everyone together one more time. Don't be afraid. Because you see, you live your life either by faith or by fear and both of them like oil and water do not mix you got to make up your mind if jesus is with you 
You have nothing to be afraid of. Doesn't matter what the doctor says, don't be afraid. Doesn't matter what your employer says, don't be afraid. Doesn't matter what the financial market says, don't be afraid. Doesn't matter what the world system says, don't be afraid. Make up your mind. If Jesus is with me, I will never be afraid. Because principle number two is right behind that. Principle number two is right behind that. Verse 36. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe. Principle number two is what? Only believe. Now the focus is not on the word believe. The focus is on the word only. Believe. Because when Jairus the daddy met Jesus at the lakeshore, his daughter was not dead. She was just sick. So he was just believing because he had many other options. Because she was sick, he could take his daughter to a doctor, to a chiropractor, herbologist, aquapuncture, some other kind of doctor. But he had, he had options. But now that she is dead, all those options go away. I have lived long enough to know that so often God will bring us to those junctures in our life in which there's nowhere else to go. It's the only place where you join the psalmist and say, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. And when you come to that place in your life, you stop believing and you start only believing. Only says, I have no other option. When mama can't help me, when my daddy can't help me, when the services cannot help me, when church can't help me, when counselors cannot help me, when doctors can't help me, when attorneys and lawyers can't help me, when nobody can help me, I will lift up my eyes unto the Lord. Because I'm not just believing, but I am only believing. Oh, when you come to that place in life, you say, where can I go? Only you have the words of life. It's not just believing, but it is what? Only believing. Well, let me give you principle number three. Verse 37. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. Principle number three is surround yourself with positive people. Surround yourself with who? Positive people. Listen, when you're going through tough times in your life, you need somebody who can pray with you. You need somebody who believes God's word is still true today. You need somebody who has a testimony. You need somebody who will lift up your hands. You need somebody who will call you and check up on you. You need somebody who will send you an SMS, a text message and say, I'm praying for you. You need somebody who say, been there, done that, God healed me, he can heal you. You need somebody who's got a testimony in their life and saying, I'm a positive person. God is with me. I'm not just believing, but I'm only believing. You need somebody who say, God is a healer. God is a provider. God will take care of you. You need somebody to be the wind under your wings. You need somebody to lift up your hands. You need somebody to encourage you. You need to surround yourself with who? Positive people. So before I give you my principle number four, which by the way is my favorite, I want to make sure you got the first three. You ready? There will be a test at the end. We are in a school. (laughs) Principle number one is what? Don't be afraid. Principle number two is? Only believe. Principle number three is? 
You can cheat right now with your notes, but at the end, we will not do that. Verse 39 and verse 40. And when he was come in, he says unto them, Why make it as a do and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out. Principle number four is kick out the negative people from your life. Principle number four is what? Kick out the negative people from your life. Now you know who they are? Haters. Something good happens to you, they are jealous of you. Uh, negative people who have no ambition in life. Negative people who are not going anywhere in life themselves don't want you to go anywhere in life. Negative people who are always raining on your parade. Negative people who have nothing positive to say. How many? We call them relatives. The only time they call you is when they... Uh-huh, we all share the same relatives. I'm from India who lives in America right now in Ipswich, Queensland. Relatives are the same everywhere you go. You know, relatives and fish. Relatives and fish after three days. Someone said, someone said... <laughs> I love this church. Uh, can I stay here for the evening service as well? Tell Mark Allendorf I'm not coming. <laughs> Someone said that the best Christmas lights you're going to see are the tail lights of relatives leaving. <laughs> negative people, negative people. Not going anywhere, people. So I'm holding a phone in my hand. There are some phone calls you have no business receiving or returning. You know who they are. Can I tell you an easy way how not to answer a phone? Whenever you get a phone call and you look at who it is and you go, <laughs> Don't answer it! Now it would be good if you had the gift of discernment but you don't have that. Would be good if you had the gift of suspicion. You don't have that. So God worked with the phone company. And now when somebody calls you, there's a name that appears. We call it what? Caller ID. But some of you can't even read. <laughs> then God worked with the phone company. And now when the phone rings, there's a green button. And a... may I highly recommend <laughs> the red button. Red, red, red. And in some people that you love a whole lot, they'll go, red. I want to tell you this will bring therapy to your life. You'll feel so much better. They'll go, oh. That pretends someone's head, you know? Just. Even if I'm talking to you, you know who those people are? Some of you are sitting next to each other. Now, if you're married to one, work it out. I mean, you signed up for it. They haven't changed. You haven't changed. You were just desperate at that time, so here you are. So deal with it. But if you have options, 
principle number four is what? You got to kick out the negative people from your life. Principle number five. Verse 41. Verse 41. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha Kumi, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. Principle number five is speak life to your miracle. Speak what? Life. Speak. 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 Life. Anybody can speak death. Anybody can say, oh, my mama, she's dead. Yeah, I know that. Jesus didn't go in there and put his hand and say, yep, she's dead. <laughs> he didn't look at the parents and say, you know, next time, get me earlier. Early detection, early detection. Why did you wait so long? You knew I was around. You could have got me earlier. Ah, she dead. <laughs> and that's our problem. Our problem is we look at the reality and pronounce the reality. And Jesus is saying, reality is not what you are seeing because I am with you. Speak life, speak life, speak life, speak life, speak life over your family, speak life over your finances, speak life over your health, speak life over your relationships, speak life over your job, speak life over your children, speak life. Speak life, speak life. Stop speaking death. Make up your mind, doesn't matter what's going on. I will speak life. So before I give you number six, let me give you a review. Are you ready? You can cheat right now. You can cheat right now. But there will be a time. Here we go. Principle number one is what? Don't be afraid. Number two is? Number three is? Uh, Number four. Number five, speak. Number six. Verse 42 and 43. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was at the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it. And commanded that something should be given her to eat. Principle number six is feed your miracle. You got to do what? Feed your miracle. Don't take a selfie with the miracle. Don't Facebook your miracle. You got to do what? Feed your miracle. So as soon as the girl is brought back to life, Jesus says, the first thing you got to do is what? You got to feed your miracle. Our challenge is, I've grown up in spirit-filled church. My father was a... Pentecostal pastor in India. I know what we do. When God blesses us, we testify about it. We sing about it. We shout about it. We jump about it. We dance about it. We we tell everybody about it. That is not feeding a miracle. That is talking about your miracle. Feeding a miracle is... Oh, let me illustrate this way. Let me illustrate this way. I have two daughters. Rachel is uh, 36. Debbie is 34. And I have two grandbabies who are better than my daughters. 
How many grandparents do I have over here? Can I see grandparents, grandparents, grandparents? Yeah, yeah. If I knew having grandkids was that much fun, I'd have them first. <laughs> Just skip over the kids. You can go now. You can go now. You can go. You're dismissed. I remember when uh, Rachel was born in Michigan. We were pastoring a church in Michigan at that time. Uh, St. Joe, Michigan. I remember. How many of you remember when your first baby was born? First baby. Parents in here first. Okay. You know there's a difference between your first baby and your second baby. First baby, pictures, 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 pictures. Second baby. Yep. She's a baby there. Next picture. She's getting married. <laughs> Pretty true. When, when Rachel was born, I remember holding her and rocking her. And I was... Uh, when they handed Rachel to me, I was not expecting what they were handing. It was like E.T. It's like all splotchy and... One eye open, one eye closed, <laughs> fist balled up, saying, I'm going to get you. I remember holding her, rocking her, praying over her, crying, laughing at the same time. Crazy, kind of, you go schizo for, for a while, for a while, for a while. Now, what would have happened if I brought Rachel to the church I was pastoring to a platform, something like this, put Rachel, the miracle, how many of you know a baby is a miracle? You bring that miracle. If I had brought Rachel and put her on the altar and got all the musicians and the smoke machine <laughs> to sing a great song about Rachel, elders of the church gathered around Rachel, Brenda and I, the parents and the pastors gathered around Rachel, and uh, every, everyone congregated around Rachel, and we prayed for Rachel, we testified about Rachel, we sang, sang songs about Rachel, but we never fed Rachel. What would happen to Rachel? She would, that miracle would die. You know why Rachel is 36, married with two of her own babies? How why that miracle has reproduced more miracles? Because Brenda and I have fed her hundreds of thousands of dollars of groceries. That's why that miracle is alive. You got to feed your miracle. Oh, let me break it down for you. What does feeding a miracle mean? If you went to the hospital and you came back out, God gave you a two-way ticket, a return ticket. Some people have a one-way ticket. But God brought you out. I think that's great and you just need to fill in the green slip. But that's not feeding a miracle. Feeding a miracle is when you find out somebody you know is in a hospital. And you're not the designated pastoral care person. But you get yourself in your car. You drive to that hospital. You walk down that hallway. You go into that room. And you say to them, God brought me out. He's going to bring you out. Now I'm talking about feeding your miracle. You came into some extra cash. 
God bless you with some extra cash. It's good to talk about it, sing about it, tweet about it, Instagram about it, Facebook about it, do all that. But that's not feeding a miracle. Feeding a miracle means taking some of those excess blessings that God blessed you with and share it with somebody else. Now you are doing what? Feeding your miracle. See, that's the difference between a museum and going to a place where things live. Have you noticed when you go to a museum, nothing moves? In fact, if you're in a museum and something wags its tail, I would suggest you're not in a museum. You got to feed your miracle. How many of you know we are blessed in this room? How many of you know God's been good to us? How many of you know that God has kept us? How many of you know that our friends who are not making as good as we are, but God's been good to us? How many of you know that God's healed us? God has saved us. God protected us. God brought us to this place. God is taking care of us today. How many of you know that we are a blessed people? And he's saying to us, I blessed you so that you can feed your miracle because when you feed your miracle your miracle grows when you feed your miracle your miracle reproduces when you feed your miracle your miracle lives on when you feed your miracle somebody else can be blessed with your blessing it does not stop with you you don't become a dead sea but you are a living river a water in which other people are fed because you are being blessed because you have been kept by his grace and his power so before i pray with you Before I pray with you, let me see if you got it. You can cheat right now. Here are the six principles. Everyone ready? Number one is what? Don't be afraid. Number two is? Only believe. Number three is? Ah, number four is? Ah, number five is? Speak what? And number six is you got to feed your miracle so lord i thank you for your word thank you lord for what you're about to do in this room thank you lord for reminding us that you're still the miracle worker thank you lord for reminding us that we might be discouraged like dad jairus for a moment but you have resurrection on your mind thank you lord for reminding us that you're still the same yesterday today and forever in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one's looking around. You're here this morning to Sam, I heard the word and I need a miracle in, the Lord, in my life. It could be, uh, it could be a physical miracle. It could be a financial miracle. It could be a job, your school, your marriage. Maybe something very, very personal in your life really doesn't matter. But you need a miracle in your life. If you need a miracle right where you're at, will you just lift up your hand so I can pray for you right where you're at? Wow, wow, wow. You can put your hands down. So Lord, I pray for every hand that was raised, every hand that was raised, every hand that was raised, signifying a miracle that is needed in that life. Lord, I pray for my sisters and brothers, for those who need healing. Lord, I pray that your healing virtue will flow even as it did to that woman who'd been sick for so long. Lord, I pray for people who need a financial miracle. Let the windows of heaven open up and abundance come in their life. Lord, I pray for people who need restoration in their relationships. 
Let you be the glue and the adhesive that keeps everything together. Lord, I pray for people who need a miracle on their jobs and their businesses that will give favor and growth. Lord, I pray for those who have a very personal need that cannot be verbalized or articulated that you will do what is needed in our life. And not because you're prayer answering God and you do everything well. We want to put our hands together, give you praise in this place. We want to give you glory in this place. We celebrate together. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. We celebrate together. We celebrate together. We celebrate together. Every head still bowed, every eye still closed. The greatest miracle, the greatest miracle that God ever does in our life is not a new car, a new house, new clothes, more money, bigger job, bigger business. That's not the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle that God does in our life is when he snatches us out of hell and makes heaven our home. The greatest miracle God ever does is when he saves us from our degradation and depravity, when he redeems us from our sin, gives us a new lease on life, washes it all away, gives us a brand new start. In a moment, I'm going to count till three. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, I'm going to count till three. Just lift up your hand and I'll just pray with you. I won't embarrass you, won't call you to the front. I'll just pray with you right where you're at. Maybe at one time you knew the Lord, there was gladness in your heart, there was joy in your spirit, but then life happened. And you're not serving Him like you know you need to, and you want to rededicate your life to Him this morning. When I count till three, I just want to lift up your hand as well, so I can pray with you. Right where you're at, when I count till three, just lift up your hand and I'll pray with you. One, two, three. Can I see your hands? 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 Thank you. Keep them up, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. One, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You can put your hands down. I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming in this world, dying for me so I could live. I give my life, I give my all. You're my king, you're my Lord. From this day on, I will serve you forever and ever and ever in Jesus' name. And now we put our hands together and rejoice one more time. Come on. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Before I turn the service over to Pastor John, uh, if you have something to write on, I want to give you, I want to just give you this book. Uh, it's online. So there's a website that's going to be showing up right there. It is. It is just my name.com slash free. Everyone say free. Do you know how difficult it is for an Indian to say free? <laughs> Don't try that at my 7-Eleven. Okay? Nothing free there. Nothing free there. In fact, I... So, samchan.com slash free. That's it. Very simple. When you go there, you can go there online. You can take a picture of that right now. You can write it down. When you go there, it's going to ask you for two things. Your name and email address. And you can download this entire book called Ladder Focus. Ladder Focus teaches us how to keep our focus in difficult times. Well, how many of you know it's easy to lose focus in our difficult times? So this book is free and available to you online. What is not free? <laughs> you knew I was going to get there. 
are two of my books that are available in, uh, in, the, uh, in the table in the back. The first book is called What's Shaking Your Ladder. Here are 15 challenges everyone faces in their life. For example, the first chapter is on focus. The chapter here on conflict. Chapter here on planning. Chapter here on decision making. Chapter here on how to leave a legacy. Uh, doesn't matter who you are, you will need these 15 things in your life. And the other book that I have is my latest book that came out uh, just a few months ago called Leadership Pain. The only thing holding you back is how much pain you want to handle in your life. The higher you go, the more pain you're going to handle. All these books are available in the back. I'd be happy to meet you there and sign your books for you if you want me to sign them. If not, sign them yourself. Nobody knows the difference. <laughs> so now put your cheat sheets away, put your phones away, put your notes away. I'm going to give you the final exam now. You ready? If you ever want to leave this gymnasium alive. Here are the six things. Ready? Everyone ready? Ready? Are you ready? Okay, just checking. One, two, three. The number one is? Don't be afraid. Number two is? Number three is? Number four is? Number five, I will speak. And number six, when God blesses me, I will feed my miracle. God bless you. Thank you. Let's put our hands together. Thank Pastor Sam Chen. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Excellent.